0: Hello, music fans! Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast, where three friends sit around and attempt to introduce you to some cool new albums and sometimes rediscover some overlooked gems. Today, we're taking a listen to two albums that are loosely connected Lou Reed's Berlin and Kiss's Music from the Elder. But first, let's say hi to Andy and the Dude. What's going on, fellas? What it is!
1: What it was! (laughs) <laughs> is that our thing now? Apparently.
0: <laughs> you, you, you definitely have a, uh, a pattern going there. <laughs> uh, well, good. Good fellas. So, how is everybody? Good fellas. Yeah,
2: we're doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. <laughs> Enjoying the summer. Been getting out to see some Very live good. music lately, which is always a good thing.
0: Yeah, what are you checking out?
2: Uh, we hit up the uh, Rochester Jazz Festival last week, which is a really nice festival they do in, in upstate New York. They uh, had some good artists like uh, Bella Fleck, Alison Krauss, Jill Scott were all there. A bunch, bunch of free shows, which were
0: also really good. Nice. Nice. Dude, what have you been up to?
1: No Fleck tones for this guy, uh, this recently, anyway. But um, I've just been listening to a lot of Kiss records in preparation for this. I picked the album that's loosely connected, and then I just went on a history and was just listening to everything. History.
0: So did you ever listen to the four solo albums?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Ace and Paul's are the mo- the most listenable. Peter Chris and Gene Simmons, I don't like either of those records at all, but I mean, that's what was weird about Kiss is they didn't stick to their characters. You know, they made these solo albums, and Gene Simmons was like singing "If You Wish Upon a Star" from Pinocchio, what? not being a demon. Like, I, I just don't get it. What yeah. about you, man? What have you been listening to?
0: Uh, not too much. Not too much. Uh, like, since our last show, it's been. Uh... Been a lot of busy work. Uh, you know, again, uh, I get uh, sequestered by my children's music quite a bit, so uh, I've had my uh share up to here of uh Post Malone. Oh, so, god, I'm uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, some bad
2: uh hip hop. There uh, we go.
1: Yeah, so, well, I know, I know Pitbull. Is that in the same mm, milieu? Yeah, not really. <laughs> gotta, okay, I don't know. I rely on Andy to tell me what's going on in that world. (laughs) Yeah,
2: we don't talk about Post Malone on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that'll happen.
0: Uh, So it looks like we have two interesting selections today, and uh, who wants to talk about uh, how these things might be connected, or do you just want to jump into one of the albums? All
2: right, well, I'll say real quick, like, how the segment usually works, or how we intend it to work. (laughs) (laughs) So one of us, in this case it it was me, just picks a record out of our collection that we like, that we haven't talked about. Usually know the record. And the other guy is charged with uh, finding a record that's linked somehow. I think this might be our best link to date. Uh, (laughs) It's it's so weird. How did you come up with uh, this Kiss record, man? I went with
1: Kiss's music from The Elder for the easiest reason of all, to start with. I was looking at this Berlin album on Wikipedia and saw that the producer was Bob Ezrin. So that got me started. I knew Bob Ezrin had produced three KISS records. This one, Destroyer, and 1992's Revenge. Revenge is one of my favorite KISS albums. And so I was thinking about any one of those. But this music from The Elder is like a concept record and so is Berlin. Same producer, and Lou Reed wrote, co-wrote some of the songs on music from the Elder. Which that was what put it over the top that we had to talk about this.
2: <laughs> that part I did not know. Yeah, it's shocking
1: that that happened. <laughs> these should not be, these should not be connected. I mean, the producer I can forgive, but the rest, this should not be happening right now. And it probably has never in all of history these two records talked about together.
2: Right.
0: That's why you come up, nerds. I want to see the recording sessions on that roll tape.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> Walk on the wild side, if you will.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, do, do we want to start with Berlin? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. You want to hear a little music first? You want to give us a little taste there, dude?
1: Sure. What are we listening to, Andy?
0: Yeah, this is a track five. It's called "How Do You Think It Feels." When you've been up all oh, five days, come down one thing around always
2: Ooh. Cause you're afraid of sleeping How do you think it feels? Yeah, so this came out in July of 1973 on RCA Records, as you dude mentioned, produced by Bob Ezrin. And I would say it falls into like the rock opera genre, I guess. It's a little bit more uh, adventurous than Lou's previous two records. Um, he had just come off of Transformer the year before, which had kind of catapulted him into a little bit more of the limelight. And he had a little more freedom on this, and he definitely uh, took advantage of that. Just quickly get into the story because it is loosely a concept record. Uh, it talks about two lovers, Jim and Caroline, and they have kind of like a very tumultuous relationship, you know, just racked with drugs and physical abuse. And eventually things get so bad that Caroline's children gets taken away and she ends up killing herself. So it's a real, uh.
1: Wow, that's fun. It's, it's, a, <laughs> God.
2: Yeah, it's a good summer read record. Read.
1: Yeah, man, you know, I saw something about this that Bob Ezrin came on the scene with Lou Reed and asked about a song called Berlin from a previous album, and he wanted to know the story of that, and that's the inception of this record. Did you read that?
2: No, oh, no, I hadn't heard that. So is the whole record based on that one song?
1: Apparently, like it was a song from another album, and Bob Ezrin said, hey, I'd like to hear the story of that couple. Okay. And I don't know what song it was for sure, but... That's what producers can can do. That's cool, you know? That kind of changing things and coming up with concepts that aren't necessarily straight from the artist.
2: Yeah, well, Bob is definitely known for creating these
0: kind of grandiose concept records and that's that's what he does here for sure. Say so it's a very good storytelling album. I mean, you like uh as you described it, it tells that story pretty much straight through, but uh really keeps you engaged. I found a little uh, a little irony towards the end, though, because it, it starts with you know you have the Caroline part one and part two, you have the kids, you have the bed, and then after she commits suicide, the last song on the album's called like sad song. Oh, I know, right? That's so funny. <laughs> like,
2: there's just a little little irony there from Lou, and Lou just delivers it in like such a deadpan way. <laughs> it's like okay, thankfully he's saying it's a sad
0: song. We, would never <laughs> we hadn't we hadn't picked up on that, right?
1: <laughs> I was just gonna say the music itself didn't sound like Lou Reed to me, which was the surprising part. Like that, it's not the horns and stuff. I was not expecting.
2: It sounds a little more bigger than uh, the traditional Lou Reed sound. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. I you know I pretty much expect like Walk on the Wild Side style or Velvet Underground type of thing, or just complete nonsense noise that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Uh, So this was more musical than I expected.
2: Yeah, I took a lot of flack for that because he was really more into that like punk indie scene, you know, and this obviously does not fit into that at all.
1: I want to play something that I found really quick. It's a 1975 interview with an Australian reporter. He was touring or whatever for a different album and they ask him about Berlin.
0: Do you like Berlin?
2: I've never been there.
0: Look the, at the album you made. Oh, the album.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a long time ago. I mean I'm obsessed with metal machine music.
1: So he's just kind of dismissed <laughs> it. It was like, eh, I don't want to talk about that. I'm obsessed with my new album, Metal Machine Music, which by the way is four tracks of horror. don't listen to it guys (laughs) don't i implore you it's supposedly it's given it's now being touted as the birth of industrial music but it's it's just sounds it's really weird anyway i just thought that was funny that guy's attitude is just that's how he was his entire career
0: very interesting
2: why don't we jump in and play uh one more cut so towards the end of the record uh, it's called The Kids.
0: They're taking her children away Because they said she was not a good mother They're taking her children away Because of the things she did in the streets
2: Yeah, just I mean, so <laughs> <laughs> Lou takes on the personas of of all the different characters as well as like a narrator, and and he doesn't pull any punches, man. He really tells it how it was pretty clearly.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was no uh, there was no blurry images in that vision he painted for you. No. <laughs> but
2: uh, that that song, there's this really creepy. Um, vocal sample of, like, kids crying in the background, kind of interspersed throughout. I remember hearing that the first time. It just, like, haunted me for years. I would, like, hear that. It was so
0: creepy. What do you think, dude?
1: Uh, Lou Reed with some direction makes for a better Lou Reed. And, like I mentioned, that metal machine music is total proof of that. I mean, with Bob Rezarin's direction and influence, uh, this was an interesting... And cool thing to listen to. I mean, I'm not going to drive around listening to sad song, but uh, (laughs) it was good. It's a good album. I recommend checking it out.
0: Yeah, as long as you're not in a uh, easily depressed state, definitely good storytelling. (laughs) Definitely a a (laughs) solid record from that perspective. But you got to be able to uh, get over the uh, the sad part.
2: Yeah, it's definitely one of uh, Lee's
0: favorite records, in my opinion. Yeah, my my favorite tune on there was the uh, "Men of Good Fortune." Oh, I like that. that uh, Yeah. Yeah, that was the one that kind of jumped out at me as uh, worthy of radio play anyway. Very good. Well, this is, uh, again, uh, coming down, Lou Reed, Berlin, for those of you picking up here late, if you want to go check it out. Any final words?
2: Definitely worth a listen if you haven't heard it. It's a good piece of rock art
0: from the 70s. Very good. And one of those, uh, again, probably the people who weren't uh, full-on Lou Reed fans probably overlooked it. So, available on all, streaming at all the usual places, live recording of the album from 2008, live at St. Ann's Warehouse on CD and DVD, who uh, passed away at the age of uh, 71 in 2013. So, no more live concerts. It's too bad.
1: Well, on that sad note, <laughs> just like the end of his album. <laughs> Him
2: and Jeez, Caroline, both got, out of here. Got
1: somber in here, man.
2: <laughs> Let's pick it up with some kiss
1: oh unfortunately we're not really picking it up with this with this album music from the elder just to give you a sense of this concept it's uh it starts off with really ethereal sounds and gregorian chanting and it's just not what people were expecting from kiss in 1981 but we're just going to talk briefly about it then we're going to play a real track So this was released November of 1981. Uh, Kiss's peak was probably mid-70s, and it's 42 minutes long, and um, it's their ninth studio album. They had a drop in popularity. They are trying to show their artistic side. And at the time, this was Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, and Ace Frehley, who was barely still in the band, three originals, and Eric Carr on drums. Let's listen to A World Without Heroes. I thought it was really important to include those guitars in there because doesn't that sound a little Pink Floydy to you guys?
2: It does a little bit like The Wall, you know. Yeah.
1: yeah. What did Bob Ezrin uh, produce right before this? Hmm. <laughs> I think he co-produced The Wall. <laughs> so, guess we're looking for respect. They had had a slippage in their image. I mean, they had the whole cartoony superhero selling toys and bubblegum cards and all that stuff and then they had had a flirtation with disco me- band members leaving uh, apparently they had sent a letter to their to their fan club saying we're going to make go back to the basics and make a hard rock record but then they got this concept in mind and decided to try and impress everybody what'd you guys think of
0: this i again being a kiss fan growing up uh buying all their merch i had the KISS, you know, remote control van buzzing around my driveway when I was a kid. Um, I knew nothing about this album, so thank you for introducing it to us. But uh yeah, I found it very interesting. Um I I heard a lot of uh, you know, again, I try to think back to that time when I think of you know Queen was probably at the top of their game, Sticks was probably at the top of their game, where there was a lot of a lot more keyboard instrumentation kind of stuff happening, and I, you know, I I definitely uh, think they were you know again trying to make that e- experimental experimental album, um, but it definitely was not their *Sergeant Pepper's*. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's what Gene Simmons had said that at the time they were so deluded that that's they thought they were making their their Sergeant Pepper and that they were going to get like critical acclaim and blow people's minds. I should probably talk about the basic story because it is extremely basic. It's uh, about a young hero named the boy, the council of elders, which belong to the Order of the Rose, a mysterious group dedicated to combating evil. So they're trying to get the boy. Morpheus is the boss of, of these guys, and he's, yeah, the, not the Matrix guy. And they're trying to train the boy to become the hero, and that's pretty much it. And I think the idea was that they'd make this record. Movie studios would be like, whoa, blown away. They Someone would make a story about it, make a movie, and this was supposed to be music from the Elder. The concept was there'd be a movie, but no one had written a script or fleshed out a full story. So
2: <laughs> I was reading uh on some of the KISS message boards that there's actually a group in in England that's trying to get this movie made. They've been trying to get it made for like twenty years or something. <laughs> and there's a <just> script.
1: <laughs> if the guys from KISS were interested in doing that, they've got the dough, they could make it happen, but I, I don't think I, I guess I, I read that they've done The world without heroes, like in their unplugged set in '95, but they don't, yeah, they don't. do songs from
0: this. Well, that's and that's one of those stories that has been you know redone in various formats from you know from the Bible to Star Wars and everything in between, right? <laughs> Good versus evil. <laughs> right. Good versus
2: evil. Kind yeah, of thing. that's
0: a pretty basic story.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, a quote comes to mind from the 1978 made-for-TV movie *Kiss Versus the Phantom of the Park*. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I quote that all the time. You're looking for someone, but it's not Kiss.
1: <laughs> You're looking for someone, but it is definitely not Kiss because this album, <laughs> as much as I enjoy it and it's enjoyable, if you don't if you don't know it's Kiss, it, it's fine. It's a fine little concept record by a uh, early '80s band, and you could just accept it. But because it's them and they still had the makeup and Gene Simmons, they performed the song on Solid Gold. Remember that show, Scott? Yeah, you bet. And they did like it. At the at the end of it, they did a close up on him, and he's like, "No heroes," and a tear comes streaming down. It's like, boys, oh, uh... <laughs> come on now, selling out. <sighs> so, um, what, Andy, you have anything to add to just your general? Did you get the sense of the story? I mean, through the through like, through these songs, like, they well... changed the the. The songs, because when it came out, the record company said, this sucks, and they flipped the songs around. It's in the original order now.
2: Yeah, I'm listening to the remastered version. So there's a couple of spoken word passages that really help tell the story, and a couple of songs that don't didn't make sense to me, at least, and how they fit into the story.
0: Um, well, there's, there's an instrumental or two on there as well, isn't there?
1: Mm-hmm. And then only only one song with Ace Freely. I guess they were recording this in their own studios. They weren't even together for a lot of this yeah, work. Yeah, it seemed
2: so. like it created a bit of a divide between, between them. But uh, there are good, tr- good songs on here. This track, uh, Dark
0: Light, I kind of enjoyed <laughs> that. No, for real, I thought no, it was good. <laughs> w- w- what did you think of the first few notes of that song? Just out of curiosity, did anything come to mind? Uh, i would have to listen to it again. I don't know. Uh, the, the opening to The Dark Light, if you didn't want to fear a shark when you heard that. Uh, it's, the, it's, the
1: theme from, it's the theme from Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I can hear it, yeah. Well, so Lou Reed co-wrote A World Without Heroes. I guess he just scribbled down that name and that's they went from there. I don't I don't think he was super involved. It was more like he just threw a couple ideas at them. Uh, Mr. Blackwell, I think, was one of the other ones. Yeah, that's a good song.
2: That's a weird one.
1: That's weird, though.
2: I don't know how it fits into the story, though. It made no sense.
1: I think Blackwell's the bad guy. I don't know.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: okay. <laughs> All right, so why don't we check out The Oath real quick. This is a little bit more kissy, uh, but Paul Stanley doing in falsetto for the whole song is a little not kissy. He Not for this, like, this amount of time. So let's check this one out. this is after the boy has been trained and now he's swearing his oath to be a hero uh, okay. is the falsetto
2: is that like but something that, they would do normally or
1: here and there but not for a, i mean there's two whole songs on here where he's doing the falsetto boy i think is the other one where it's all falsetto and i just really love the groove of that song yeah. and the riff yeah. that just sounds like a kiss song to me what do you think scott
0: Yeah, I I like that. Uh, Definitely back to a traditional Kiss model. And, you know, as I heard that, when I listened to that song the first time, when I heard that opening guitar pounding like that, then, well, that probably influenced uh, Mr. McMars because that sounded like it it was copy. It was the crew before the crew, right? It's like he he stole that right from them. So we're going to put this on another record sometime.
1: That's so funny. The whole Motley Crue thing and how Kiss like they started off and then Kiss became more like Motley Crue as the 80s <laughs> um, moved forward.
2: Yeah, without a doubt.
1: Well, what's w- weird, the album before this one was called Unmasked, but they didn't unmask. Right. And then they came out with this. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then Creatures, of the, Creatures of the Night, which is a really good record, hard rock record. Then Lick It Up, and that's when they finally took the makeup off. And that's a great record. I love that. I, I don't like recommending it because i don't like saying that to people i'm like yeah <laughs> kiss lick it up it's really good but it is <laughs> i especially i don't want to i don't want to be in the me too movement so i have to be very careful <laughs> who i say that to him.
0: well this you're a little bit on a on a uh trend here too where your uh, second episode in a row you've picked something with kind of a medieval kind of theme to it as well so You are uh, definitely in Dungeons and Dragons kind of mode.
1: Oh, no. I'm going to go to a Renaissance (laughs) festival this year or something. (laughs) I've never been to one. Maybe it's time. Uh, No more King of Thrones for you, sir. Yeah,
0: right.
1: (laughs) I do love that show. That's funny. All
0: right. Any last words on Kiss? What are you thinking, Andy? I I would just say don't
2: bias yourself too much because the reviews for this record are atrocious. (laughs) Yeah. But if you go into it, don't assume it's going to be like Destroyer. It's just some good stuff on here. It's not all bad.
1: It's a really interesting record in the annals, annals of Kiss. <laughs> and, uh, this isn't the annals.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I really I like it. I think it's it's a fun listen. Any Kiss fan should listen to it. And the time it was a long time ago, and it's just a cool little time capsule of a band trying to change. Perception of them when they could have just wiped the makeup off and made a record like this anonymously as a different name and and maybe see what happens then.
0: Yeah. Again, yeah. Again, I think it, you know, in my uh, short time with you guys, you you pick a you tend to pick stuff that has good storytelling. You know, again has, has that theme that you can kind of follow along to, and I think that's uh, you know one of the lost arts of the album. So um, glad to revisit some of that. Well, yes, yeah, so this is available in all your standard spots. CD, MP3, vinyl. Support your local record stores. Buy vinyl when you can. Or on Amazon. Upcoming concerts. Uh, is there a big final tour in the works? We uh, we hear some things, but we'll see how that develops.
1: Yeah, I guess they're saying it's going to be like I don't know, longer than a year, year and a half. I have no idea, but it's probably going to be huge. Whatever it is,
0: it seems like everybody's doing a three-year farewell yeah. tour. <laughs> <laughs> so they're taking three years to say goodbye. Long goodbye. Yeah. Any uh, any last words, fellas?
2: Now, uh, if you can uh, tell us what we're listening to, shoot us an email at uh, podcasts at albumnerds dot com. Love to have a little conversation with you.
0: Yeah, sh- share some interests. Sh- you sh- know, give us some uh, give us some of your favorites. Subscribe to uh, the show in all the usual places. If you'd like to uh, help us out, give us a nice review on iTunes and uh, tell your friends about the Album Nerds. Yeah, we'd appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, y'all, for listening. And uh, if you like what you hear, pass it on to your friends and listen to some records and have a wonderful couple of weeks till we talk to you again.
2: See yeah Bye, everybody.